0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We've been navigating through the book of James for the last several weeks. I said to one of my pastor friends the other day, I said, we're having fun working through the book of James. And he looked at me, and uh, he said, fun, that's really the word you want to use? He said, do you want to rethink that word? And the fact of the matter is, it is challenging to work through the book of James. Would you agree? And here we come to chapter 3 of the book of James, and it's going to challenge us. And my prayer this morning is going to be that we would be ministered to by the Holy Spirit through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not the condemnation of the Holy Spirit, but the conviction. And here's my confession to you this morning. I wondered this morning how many of us would have a hard time even hearing the message this morning for this reason. You may have had a week where somebody said something to you that changed your whole week. Do you know the power of words can do that? Somebody can say something to you, and those words can literally change your whole week. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They can literally change your whole day. So my confession to you today is that my, my prayer is that, that we will not be distracted from what God wants to say to us this morning. I'm going to start by reading our text to us, and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to read it first because it's incredibly challenging when we come to James chapter 3 because for whatever reason, James pauses when he's writing this letter to the church, and something must have been happening that James felt like through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he needed to challenge the New Testament believers about their tongues. It wouldn't be in here if that was not the case. So what was it that was happening? Was it the persecution? Was it the pressure? What was it that was happening? We don't know. Oftentimes, and and maybe you've heard me say this before, oftentimes when I come to the scriptures and I understand that I'm reading something that literally is thousands of years old, we're reading manuscripts and we're reading information that is thousands of years old, I, I find myself asking myself this question. It helps me. It really does help me. When I read something from the book of James or the Gospels or Old Testament, Psalms or Proverbs, I find myself asking the question, so what? Why is it in the Bible? So what? what? So what? James is going to spend 18 verses talking about the tongue, but the follow-up to that for me is always, now what? Now what do I do with something that was said 2,000 years ago? Now what? What, what God is it that you want to speak and minister to my heart? So I, I think one of the things that I've, I've read as a teacher, and this challenges me as a teacher because it's going to speak to us as teachers as we begin to get into the text, um, that... You have to use on-ramping if you're going to preach or teach well. There needs to be an on-ramping. And, and when I say that, I thought about this. When we study Scripture, a teacher should try to do one, two, or three of these things when we read Scripture. Enlighten our intellect. The Scripture should enlighten our intellect. It should engage our emotions and it should challenge our will. And I think this message this morning is going to do all three. It is certainly going to enlighten our intellect It's going to engage our emotions. It's going to challenge our will. So here's what James says, and let me start James chapter 3, and I'm going to read all 18 verses to you, and then we're going to pray. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, notice that word, if, that is a big word. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want it to go by means of a small bit in its mouth. And the small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark... Now notice this. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. If I just stopped right there, I'd say, Lord, I I don't know if I want one of those things. You really have to give me something that has life and death in it, Something that is set on fire from hell. I mean, think about, think about how James is using these descriptors. Let's go on. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and fish, but no one, say no one, no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless and evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder, evil of every kind, but the wisdom From above is first of all pure, it is peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So, this is not a message To tell others what to do this might be a message for the person next to you but it is a message for you and it is a message for me let's pray father i'm asking in jesus name for the ministry and the prompting of the holy spirit to bring fresh revelation to what is on your heart concerning the tongue father you have said things very descriptive in your word about the tongue life and death are in that thing It is an evil set on fire from hell. Lord, it's something that no man, no woman can tame. Lord, these are descriptors about the tongue. So, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom and revelation to understand the power of our words. And, Father, I pray through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that you would guide and direct everything that is said in this place in Jesus' name. So this week, I just... uh, decided that I'd look up a few fun facts about our words. See what I could figure out about how many words. How many of you know people that have a few more words than other people? Right? Some people have a few more words than other people. So I'm going to give you uh, some fun facts about our words with an average. So consider this, that there's people that probably have a few more words and some that have a few less words. The average person uses one fifth of their life to speak. One fifth of our life will be spent speaking. A single day's words in print would equal a 50 page book. One of these every day. One of these every single day we are writing. We're thinking, wow, good thing it's not recorded. The fact of the matter is, it is recorded. It is recorded through every heart and through every mind and through every emotion with every conversation that we have. It might not be recorded in print, but it is recorded. So every single day, I am writing one of these books with my words. 350 pages each week. That's approximately one of these every two days. This is one of those Bibles that we give out uh, when we give Bibles away. A single day's words in print is a 50-page book. 350 pages in a week, so 1,400 pages in a month. This is how many words the average of us speak every month. Think about that. Think about how many of these are out there somewhere every single month. This right here would be the equivalent of one year's words. That's how many words the average one of us speaks every single year. Think about that. How long does it take to read the Bible? Think about that. That's 24 of these Bibles. That's one year's worth of words. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. How many of us have been in a place where we've said something and then we've ran to try to retrieve that word? Or we've been in a situation where somebody said something to us and it cut us to the core. Or we've been in one of those places where we've been struggling and battling and somebody said something and it changed the whole course of that day. It built us up and it encouraged us. So as we get into this study this morning, my challenge is that we will consider our words carefully. Because as James is talking about the tongue here, he's really asking us to look at the heart. And that's what we're gonna do this morning. We're gonna go from the tongue to the heart. Because the fact of the matter is, The only way to tame the tongue is through training of the heart. The only way that we can tame our tongue is through the training of our heart. 16,800 page book every year is what we would write with our words. 16,800 page book. 1,176,000 page book in a lifetime. A 1,000,000 page book in a lifetime with the words that we would speak. So let me just walk us through some challenges, I think, that we find from the book of James and then, and, and then some of the things that Jesus said that tell us about what we should do with our heart. I always appreciate the ministry of Jesus because Jesus goes from what we're thinking to what he wants us to know. So number one on your outline, I want you to write this down. Taming the tongue is impossible. Testing the heart is mandatory. We know that taming the tongue is impossible because James says it. But, but, but testing our heart is mandatory. How many of you go to the doctor? And what does the doctor do? The doctor says, stick out your tongue and say what? Say what? Stick out your tongue and say, ah. The doctor knows when you stick out your tongue, he can look at your tongue, she can look at their tongue, and they can tell that by looking at the tongue, there's something inside that is going on. There's some kind of an infection. There's something going on by looking at the tongue. By listening to the words that we speak. By challenging ourselves with the things that come out of our mouth. It tells us about what's really going on in the heart. And really what James was talking about here is he's saying, listen, you're not going to be able to tame your tongue. You can't do it. You cannot tame your tongue. But what you can do is you can train and test your heart. And if we do that well, if we do that well, we will be able to master what comes out of our mouth. Remember as a young person growing up, my parents saying to me, or an older person saying to me, watch your mouth or what? I will wash it out with, right? Watch your mouth or I will wash it out with soap, right? How many of you did that really work for long-term? We actually had to put these in our mouth. My parents would make us bite down on it, and then they would pull it out of our mouth. So the soap would scrape off on our teeth so we couldn't just get it out of our mouth really quickly. But how many of you found that washing someone's mouth out with soap doesn't doesn't really do it? Doesn't really do it. Doesn't really do it. So the prescription for taming the tongue is not washing our mouth out with soap. It's not even keeping our mouth closed, although that can be helpful at times. Isn't that true? It can be helpful at times. Those words go out and you try to retrieve them, we can never get them back. 50-page book. Today I'm going to write one of these. Maybe a little more. Maybe I have a lot of words today because I'm teaching. So maybe more than 50 pages. How serious do we take what comes out of our mouth? How much do we really think about what comes out of our mouth on a daily basis. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 27. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. The heart reflects the real person. It often comes out in the mouth. I remember as a young person being teased over and over and over, and one of the weapons that I developed was the weapon of the tongue. And becoming sharp with the tongue and and thinking that if I could just master whatever somebody else was saying to me, I would one-up them, right? And we learn those phrases as kids. What? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will... That's a lie. That is a lie. I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and what? Sticks... I wonder who said that. I wonder who said that the very first time. I wonder who said the very first time, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Every single war was started because of words at some point. Every peace treaty was signed because of words. That The power of our words is phenomenal. Think about how many words are represented in this room today. And, and the writer in Proverbs is telling us that as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. So what comes out of my heart comes through my mouth. And what comes out of my mouth tells me what the condition of my heart is. The Bible tells us our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, and who can know it? We can know it because of the words that we speak. Number two, your tongue, say my tongue, is the mirror that reflects and reveals the condition of my heart. Your tongue, my tongue is the mirror that reflects and reveals the condition of my heart. I grew up in the 70s seated in front of All in the Family every single Sunday night. So we'd watch Walt Disney, we'd watch the Disney Channel, and then All in the Family would come on. I'm not not encouraging you to Google it. I'm just saying as a 13, 14, or 15-year-old, I was learning how to become prejudiced. I was learning how to name-call I was learning how to do all of those things. And I was learning it young because as a child I'm teased and picked on. So how how do you defend yourself? You get sharp with your words. And then if you're raised somewhere where it's okay to be judgmental and it's okay to be bigoted and it's okay to justify what you say about people and everybody else is doing it, then it just becomes common practice. And before we know it, we don't even know how damaging our words can be. And not just damaging, but damning. We can curse or bless with our tongue, the Bible says. I I can think in my life, I can think in my life about many, many times where certain things were said to me that have devastated me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That, That have absolutely devastated us. Only five of you? Where do the rest of you live? How many of you in this room have been devastated by something somebody said to you? Thank you. How many of you fear that you have said something that has devastated somebody? Yeah. I think we've all been there before. So I grow up in front of the TV, getting my training for speaking to people from Archie Bunker. I don't recommend that. (laughs) Then I go in the Marine Corps. And then I get around these drill instructors, right, Pastor George? (laughs) Listen, if you think you're good with your words, you've got nothing on a Marine Corps drill instructor. I promise you, they will cut you down faster. They will slice and dice you and put you on the floor in five seconds flat. That is not something that we should aspire to. We should not aspire to being able to destroy people with our words. And so something is going on in the church where James says, listen, I've got to pause and I've got to talk to you about your tongue. Not many of you should want to be teachers. Fact of the matter is every one of us is a teacher on some level. We're teaching our children. We're teaching the people that we come in contact with, the people that we have relationship with. How are our words affecting those people that we have relationship with? Because really our tongue is a mirror that is reflecting what is living inside of my heart. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings the good things out of the good stored in their heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. One of the things that we said we wanted to do is we wanted to filter our study in the book of James through the Gospels. And Jesus says it right here. Out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. There's over 110 verses in the book of Proverbs about my tongue. I'm going to speak this many words in a year. I'm going to say that many things in a year. What did it do to the people I said it to? Did it encourage them? Did it inspire them? Did it motivate them? Or did it cut them to the core of who they are? Did it set them back six months? You watch parents with their children. I watched a lady at the park the other day just build her kid up with words. The child was trying to swing and having a hard time with that and falling off and not doing it well and I was watching that mother, just watching the mother and just watching the life that was being poured out of that mother and watching that little child get more and more confident as those words are being poured out. The fact of the matter is it doesn't matter how old we are. Our words are so weighty. They're so weighty. And we have to choose wisely what we do with our words. Proverbs 18, 21 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. This is not the cure. Soap on a rope. Cindy had a hard time finding this for me. Thank you, Cindy, if you're in here. This is not the cure. Not going to help us to walk around with a bar of soap in our hands. Because oftentimes what happens is the word gets out before the soap goes in anyway. Right? Word goes out, then you try to jam the bar of soap in and it's not going to work. So, I want us to look at three tests that I believe are from the scriptures. Three tests to determine... What is the true condition of our heart? What's obvious is what our words are saying, but, but what is the true condition of our heart? And if our heart needs to change, or our heart needs to be shaped, or it needs to be plied, it needs to be convicted, it needs to be challenged, what is it that we can do to look at our heart? And I want us to look at three things. I said this a moment ago. The tongue is the mirror that reflects and reveals the condition of our heart. So let's ask this question. Mirror, mirror on the wall, what's the Goliath that has to fall? Mirror, mirror on the wall, what's the Goliath that has to fall? It's likely the tongue, but it can't fall until we confront the heart. What would it be like if in our sphere of influence... Every single time somebody walked away from a conversation with us, they were built up. Now, I'm not talking about flattery, and I'm not talking about not speaking truth, but I'm talking about doing it in such a way, Jesus always did that. Every time Jesus had an encounter with somebody, he always did what was most loving, always. Sometimes it was to confront. Sometimes it was challenged and, and would convict people of sin, but it was always that which was most loving. What would it be like if, if every single time we had an encounter with somebody, and we walked away. It was the most loving thing that could happen, and they knew it, and they sensed it when we walked away. So the first test is this. It is the humility test. If we are going to, if we are going to allow the Lord, and we are going to crucify the flesh to be able to deal with our tongue, then we have got to pass the test of humility. And that requires that we look in the mirror. That requires that we look in the mirror and we be honest about what we are saying and what we are not saying. When people become a master with their words, they can manipulate with their words if they're not careful. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And we need to be cautious. We need to pay attention to that. So the humility test. In James chapter 3, verse 13, James said this, and we've already read it, but let me refer to it again. If you are wise... And you understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. With the humility that comes from wisdom. C.S. Lewis said this, Humility isn't thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. This whole idea of humility, the Bible says Jesus was humble in heart. The Bible says of Moses, he was the most humble man on planet earth after his wilderness experience. Had to take him to the wilderness and, and work in his heart and work in his heart and, and, and try to help him to look at his heart so that as he began to speak words of deliverance and words to set the captives free and the things that were going to come out of his mouth that God wanted to be life-giving, he had to pass the humility test. And we've got to be willing to, to to sit in the classroom of transformation that allows ourselves to be humbled. And it looks something like this. God, forgive me. I actually know someone who wears as a badge of honor his choice to never say, I'm sorry. It's actually true. He actually wears that as a badge of honor because he doesn't say, I'm sorry. Now, can I just say that that's not a badge of honor? That's stupid. That is foolish. What, you, you're never going to say you're sorry. There's never been something in your life that you need to say, I'm sorry for. That, that is a great way to begin to build a bridge when our words have sliced and diced somebody and we apologize. Sometimes it means we apologize even when we don't think we're wrong because God wants to do something in our own hearts. And we have to humble ourselves. It is not easy to humble ourselves. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I've always questioned this portion of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 16, when Peter, Jesus is telling Peter... And the other disciples, I'm going to die. And Peter says, Jesus, you're not going to die. And Jesus says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have the mind of God. Get thee behind me, Satan. Why would he say that? Peter wasn't possessed by the devil. Why would he say that? Because at that moment, his tongue was not being used by God. It was being used by the enemy or by the flesh. And we just read that in James. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. It can be controlled by the enemy. It can be manipulated by the enemy. It can be controlled by our flesh. Isn't that true? We get mad. How many of you have ever gotten mad? On the road in Arvada, Colorado in 2017. You used to be able to get through Arvada... In about five minutes in a car, anywhere you wanted to go, you could drive through Arvada in five minutes. Not anymore. Took my wife 25 minutes to get out of Arvada this week. One day. 25 minutes because there were two accidents. You want to know the condition of your heart? Drive around Arvada at rush hour. You'll know exactly because your tongue will tell you. You know what I'm talking about. The humility test. The test that looks in the mirror and says mirror, mirror on the wall. This is the Goliath that has to fall. I need to let you deal with my heart, Lord. Because my words, what I say to my wife, what I say to my husband, what I say to my children, what I say to the people I work with, so easy, so easy to move past that. Our mouth reveals a lot about us. But the reason our mouth reveals a lot about us is because God wants us to deal with our heart. The tongue is only the messenger. The tongue is only the messenger. Now I realize a message like this can be incredibly challenging because it causes us to really think about and pausing to think about what we say even before we get into a conversation. What would it look like if before we went into heated conversation something at work didn't go the way you want it to go and you're ready to light somebody up and they're 100% wrong and you're 100% right and you're going to go into that situation with your bullet points but what if God wants to do something different with that wonder what was happening with the early church, through the persecution, through the pressures, through the scattering of families, all of the things that were happening in the book of James, and the Holy Spirit downloads to James, I want you to talk to the folks about their tongues. I want them to think about their tongues. What would it be like if we used all of the book the 50-page book that we're going to write today to bless and glorify God, to build up, to exhort, to encourage. What am I going to do with all those words? God, humble me. Humble me, Lord. Help me. Help me to have my heart right. The humility test. The second test is this. The hunger test. First, the humility test. First, we've got to humble ourselves. Listen, you might know better, but there is wisdom when you come in to a situation. When you come into a situation, you don't have to be in charge. You don't have to be the chief. You don't have to make sure everybody knows how smart you are. I don't ever see where Jesus did that, ever. Jesus never did it that way. Jesus always used relational collateral and relational equity to influence people. He never came in like a bull in a china shop, but he always did it through relational equity. And there's something about that the the humility and then the hunger. Jesus said this Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be filled. Lord, Lord, I want to hunger for the things that you hunger for. I want my words to be life-giving. I want those things that come out of my mouth to build up and edify. Again, I'm not saying that we don't speak the truth in love. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we can do a lot of damage with our words, and they don't have to be swear words. Do you know that sometimes speaking Christianese fancy is just as deadly as anything else? Hello. Hello. We know, we know the Bible backwards and forwards, and we can quote it, but it's being delivered in the flesh, and it's being delivered in condemnation and judgment. Have you been there before where you've been the recipient of that? Listen, brother. Listen, sister. Let me just tell you something. I love you in Jesus' name, and boom, right in the forehead. You been there? Pretty quiet. Quiet. Listen, I, I want to tell you this, and this is, I'm telling you honestly the truth. This, I've been thinking about this all week in my own life. God, help me. Help me. Really, the, the consistency or the inconsistency in our language reveals the heart condition. The Bible says it shouldn't be that we should praise and curse with the same mouth. But the consistency or the inconsistency really reveals what's going on in the heart. So if there's a lot of inconsistency, listen, there are so many tests that they do for the heart today, right? Stress test, calcium test, this test, that test, this test. How much more should we be willing as spiritual people who love God to test our hearts? So we test it with the humility test and then the hunger test. The hunger test simply says... I want to be consistent because I'm going to hunger and thirst for righteousness, for right things. And it's going to start by me looking in the mirror and listening to what I say. I wonder if I had one of these, somebody actually recorded it for me and handed it to me, how alarmed I would be if I could read what I actually said. How alarmed would I be if I could actually read what I said to somebody at some point during this day? So the hunger test. And then the third test is this. It's the smart test. It's the smart test. Let me read James 3, 14 through 18 again to you one more time. If you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your what? In your what? In your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. All those things that are coming out of the mouth. If there's jealousy or selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So the smart test. When we leave a conversation, do we think about this? When we leave a conversation, was that person multiplied that I just had a conversation with or were they diminished? That conversation that I left, did I leave that conversation and that person made me feel stupid? Or did I leave that conversation, even if I was corrected, even if I was challenged, did I leave that conversation feeling like that person cared about me? We've got to think about passing the smart test when it comes to our heart. There's really two things that we need to confess. It's not on your outline, but I wrote it on mine. There's really two things that we need to confess if we're really going to get this heart and this tongue to line up. And the first thing is we've got to be willing to confess our sin. God, forgive me. Forgive me for slicing and dicing. Forgive me. Forgive me if I've hurt someone or I've wounded someone with my words. Forgive me if I've just not paid attention or, or confess to them. Would you please forgive me for how I wounded you with what I said? So we confess our sin, but the other thing that we, we've got to pay attention to confessing is our need for God. That's important. We've got to confess our need for God. I can't change this thing myself. It isn't going to be if I put something in my mouth. It isn't going to be if I put a bar of soap in my mouth, that's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. Just as the test, the heart is tested by a doctor to determine its health, to determine the onset of disease, to determine dietary changes or whatever it might be, all of those things that would be diagnosed in the natural, we should be testing our heart spiritually. What would it be like if we were a family, if we were a church, if we were a community that we chose to be so intentional about our words that we were going to give life everywhere we went? Everywhere we went. So, I'm going to leave you with this challenge. I'm going to invite the team to come back out here. Taming the tongue. Here's the last point on your outline. Taming the tongue, it really means this. It means that we have to win the invisible war. That's the war that has to be won if we're going to tame our tongue. We have to win the invisible war, the war of the heart. What's going on in my heart? Two things. To win the invisible war, you must confront your heart. Got to confront my heart. Deceitfully wicked above all things who can know it. God, help me to confront my heart. Help me to confront my heart, Lord. I want to be willing to confront my heart. And then to win the invisible war, we have to be willing to submit to God. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.